0: what is nothing Now yeah, that's deep what in the fuck are we doing here what is something that's deep bro i'm your host christina p thank you for downloading this episode very exciting news i am uh, adding tour dates to my calendar before i pump this kid out of me and then um i will start up again around i don't know i think november december and i'll be doing theaters so if you want to see me uh in these smaller rooms i think now is the time i uh bus i'll still do clubs hello guys come on on. okay what do we got march 30th and 31st portland helium comedy club april 29th one show one night Cobb's comedy club tickets are moving fast for that one april 29th we just said that may 4th huntington beach the rec room comedy club the rec room at glow zone i think is what that is called Uh, i hear it's good i hear it's good who knows? We'll see. Okay, May 9th, Oxnard, California. Oxnard, Levity Life. No, I hear the rec room is great. I wouldn't agree to do something if I if I thought it sucked. Tickets at Christina P online. Um, like I said, I'm gonna I'm working on some other stuff. I'm gonna hit up, I think, New York City in December of this year. And I got some East Coast dates finally trickling in. Um, we're gonna do that. Towards the end of the year, towards the next year, once this baby is kind of out of me and up and up and running, right up and running, yeah. What do you know? Life is crazy. Yeah, Christina P online. Uh, are you shopping on Amazon? Sure, hope you're using my banner. Uh, that's Steve Podcast at Gmail. What? That's my. Fu- <laughs> that's Steve This is just the website. Sorry, URL. I. You know what it is. I did Pilates. I just I just exercised. I usually just fall right asleep after, but I wanted to do this show uh, instead. And you know, my brain gets all scrambled, man. We'll see how this episode goes. I don't know. Anyways, uh, you ever plan a vacation? Finding a place to stay that'll make everyone happy for the right price, where you all want to visit. Well, it can feel like a full time job. But you're telling me, God. Who's got all that time to research, right? Spend less time planning your next trip with tripping.com. Don't visit a ton of different sites on tripping.com. One search lets you compare every home from the world's top vacation rental sites in one place to find the best deal on your perfect vacation rental. Vacation rentals are awesome. I feel like they offer more, you get more privacy, more space. More for everyone, Uh, more people, more people under one roof, more choices, fully stocked kitchens, extra bedrooms, and even hot tubs. Come on, get your life, all the comforts of home and then some. Best of all, at tripping.com, you can join the millions of travelers who find more savings with rates up to 80% less than traditional hotel rooms. So if you're planning spring break on the beach in Florida, Check out tripping.com. Can't wait to swim in Lake Tahoe this summer. Tripping.com. Dreaming of sitting on the deck of a Smoky Mountains cabin. Tripping.com. This year, save time and money when you book the vacation home of your dreams with tripping.com slash bro. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash bro. Excuse me. I got so excited I sneezed. T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash bro. Find your perfect vacation rental. Again, tripping.com slash bro. Thank you, Tripping.com. What a great thing. What, a, what an amazing time. Huh? You don't have to waste your time going through all these different websites. It's all in one place. Are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. How easy is that? These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Oh, imagine that. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. So try it now. Try it now, my listeners. Try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bro, ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Get your life, everybody who's not using ZipRecruiter. Okay, all right, boners. Let's get into it. I got a song for ya. I figure let's go a little uh, Brazilian bossa nova. It always puts me in a better mood, right? A little bossa nova to get your uh, your life in order. Here we go. Oh, we Be angry and listen to uh Portuguese being spoken. So nice. I like I, I listen to it in the mornings when I'm cooking breakfast with the little jeans, with the husband, a little Brazil. Uh it's just it's just so God, so relaxing. Get the fuck out of here. So I was also I also listen to what's my Pandora station. It's called uh French Cafe Radio. Uh however, I detest it when I hear non-French speakers singing uh, songs. I can tell. I can just tell. You know what I mean? When it's an uh, an American person trying to sing in French. Je t'aime. Je t'aime. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't. I can't, I can't fucking listen to that. You know, my mother uh, used to listen to Edith Piaf, Edith Piaf, in the house where she would clean every Sunday, obsessively cleaning. And I you know, I that's for me the gold standard of French tunes. And Edith Piaf, for those of you who don't know, was an extremely depressing French singer. Look that bitch up. You've heard that La Vienne Rose, that's the big song. But uh she had many other hits <laughs> hits I should say. You know, World War Two, a little depressing. She grew she was like orphaned in the streets, just a terrible life, of course, which is why she was so Uh, Such a good singer, I think. Doesn't that make... It makes you more talented, having a horrible life. Uh, So, uh, you know what I mean? I like the real French. I don't speak a a word of French, but I I like how it sounds. Same with Portuguese. And I'm listening to this French Cafe radio, and uh, there's an old song. It's called Smile, you know? A smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. Uh, Let me see if I can find it so I can play it for you guys. I... Smile. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, here it is i think nat king cole sang it originally let's see if i can get that. anyone can create a oh it's a commercial did you guys want to hear trend pieces at living space do you want to hear living spaces <laughs> I, gravitate. I hate oh god the internet okay here here this song this song smile is aching. yeah there you go smile smile even though it's breaking okay so this is nat king cole who's obviously amazed talent gets your life uh, but i started to think about these lyrics um smile though your heart is aching smile even though it's breaking when there are clouds in the sky you'll get by if you smile through your fear and sorrow smile and maybe tomorrow you'll see the sun shining through for you Light up your face with gladness. Hide every trace of sadness, although a tear may be ever so near. That's the time you must keep on trying. Smile. What's the use of crying? <laughs> You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile. So I get it. The message being um, optimism. Uh, we Americans love uh, the eternal optimist, right? We love our. We love the idea of like, uh, just fucking, what are you doing? You know, pussy. You know, if fucking cry about it, why don't you do something about it? Uh, however, uh, the lyrics are quite, uh, uh, quite the opposite. I think of what you should be doing as a human being and, uh, probably very harmful to anybody. Um, trying to be a balanced, well-functioning person. Uh, I can't think of any advice worse, uh, to smile despite your heart aching and breaking uh, to smile through fears and sorrows. Uh, just, you know what? Come on, fucker. Cheer up. Stiff upper lip, guys. Come on. Once you, uh, you know, quit your crying and, um, and just uh, be happy, you know? I, th- <laughs> I think this single handedly is the problem uh, with uh, our American culture. I think Americans in particular have a really hard time with feelings, with actual uh, human things. And I think that smiling, uh, if your heart is aching and smiling, even though it's breaking and smiling through tragedy is not the way to go. I I would advocate the complete opposite. I would say cry as long as you have to feel those feelings um, and try to just be authentic with Yourself. I think that's what the song should be is hey, be authentic with how you feel and try not to hide it uh, so much. Now, does that mean to download to every stranger? No. Uh, it just means behind closed doors. Go. Yeah, let it out. Uh, I just, I don't think sucking it up, suck it up, move on. It's, it's not the way to go. <laughs> Although that that is kind of the model for what my family of origin had that that is definitely the model. I was having I had a flashback to some words of wisdom my father told me. Oh, man. Uh, first of all, I remember when I told him I wanted to have a child. He said to me, "You know, I don't see you being uh the mothering type." So that was fun. And then Oh, oh, I remember when I was, I was a teenager and I was so depressed and I was like, I, the one time I tried to uh, connect with my alien parents, I actually tried to tell them when I was an adolescent, like, Hey, I'm, I'm very lost here. I, I'm very confused. And I, it's so funny because my stepmother uh, at the time and my father and my mother, I don't know my stepdad, my stepdad was actually nice to me. Um, they all gave me, more, mostly my stepmother, when I was having major, major mental breakdowns as a teenager. I'm talking 13, 14, like meltdown, suicidal fucking meltdowns. Um, my favorite is they would tell me that, uh, you think you know everything, don't you? Pfft. You think you know it all. You think you know everything. And I remember saying to my stepmom, no, actually I don't. The problem is I'm, I have ignorance. I am painfully ignorant of the world and I am I am drowning because I know nothing. Can you please help me? <laughs> I don't know if I asked for, I said, I don't think I'd say, can you please help me? But I did say, actually, no, I, I don't know anything. And that's why I'm so upset. And, uh, and I think I need to get checked into a mental hospital. I begged them to put me into some kind of um, treatment center. I think I knew that something was wrong with my family and I needed to get the fuck away from them. But nope, it was met with, uh, anger and, you know, you think, you know, it all (laughs) super healthy, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do when your child comes to you, uh, suicidal and upset is tell them that they should suck it up. It's just suck smile. Come on, man. Come on. What are you fucking sissy? you think you had a tough life? I had a tough life. That, that was always nice too, to hear growing up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, but Hey, that's why I'm a parent now. I'm not going to say that crummy stuff to my kid. And I, I do this podcast cause I, you know, I'm trying to say it to you guys to save some fucking poor kid's life out there who's listening. And because I really wish I had this kind of a thing. I wish I had podcasts when I was 14, 15 and, Uh, Very upset with the world and very confused and had nobody uh, in my family of origin, as my therapist says, to speak with about actual feelings and about stuff like that. You know, hey, and that's not to blame. My parents just had such traumatic upbringings themselves that they didn't speak a language of feelings. So yeah, they didn't know how to even process their own, let alone help a, a struggling teenager deal with hers. Uh, yeah, it's it's a trauma cycle, right? It takes three generations. That's what my shrink said to resolve, uh, this kind of generational stuff. Mm. So fun for those of us who are trying to get it right, who are trying to do it better. Um, who are trying to, to get our lives and to, uh, to not fall into the patterns that we were taught by, uh well-meaning adults in our lives and educators in our lives because if you don't if you don't feel the feelings what happens we know we know if you've ever listened to dr drew uh or seen celebrity rehab if you don't feel the feelings of trauma of whatever the heck it is uh you end up you know being a drug addict or um a sex addict or gambling or any compulsive shitty behavior that is not really benefiting you You pick wrong relationships. I've seen that happen over and over. You pick crappy people to mate with, to marry, uh, to spend your time with. And, uh, it's just terrible. I don't know. I advocate this, you know, this, this show is all about getting your life, getting into therapy and figuring your shit out so that you don't have to suffer. And I've had people be like, you know, you're so brave to face your feelings and see a therapist. I'm like, really? It's not even brave. It's more that I don't tolerate suffering well. And I suffered enough as a teenager uh, just <laughs> swirling around in my own head. for. I, I suffered for many years just being depressed and weird. And I was like, well, I, I don't, I'm tired. I think there's a point where you get sick and tired. Tired of uh, of the anxiety and the depression and making the same mistakes over and over and picking the wrong partners, getting the wrong jobs, right? Tired, tired of being so confused and anxious that you finally uh, you finally give up and you go see a fucking shrink. That's what I did. I I, I hung up uh, the phone with my mother. It was in two thousand. What year was that in? Gosh, two thousand six, seven. She called me again with some fucking melodrama, right? I'm dying of a stroke. I had a stroke. I am dying. And of course, like a good daughter, I ran to the hospital. Right? I ran to the hospital uh, and then with, with my then boyfriend, Tom Segura. And, uh, and I, I saw my dying mother in the bed. I said, Mommy, what happened? You know, I'm the good daughter back then. What happened, Mom? I had a stroke. I fell down in the lamps us and the ambulance had to come and take me here. And I go, oh my goodness, I better talk to the doctor. I go, be- I better talk to the doctor. And I said, so I went to the doctor. I said, yeah, what happened? My mom had a stroke. Oh no, she just, uh, she just, I think maybe didn't drink enough water, passed out in the lamps are us and, uh, yeah, the ambulance brought her here. I don't know what her deal is. <laughs> So that was the last uh, exchange I had. One of the last, sorry, not the last, one of the last exchanges with her uh, before we cut contact. But uh, but man, that really screwed me up. I remember going home and, you know, oh, and my sweet, my then boyfriend, Tom Segura, tried to cheer her up. This is the best one. And uh, she, you know, she was feeling crappy and, th- you know, my mother enjoyed feeling crappy and dragging me into the drama and having me there to, Sympathize with her to, I w- you know she wanted me desperately to be the caregiver. That was that was the dream is that I would gray gardens with her for the rest of my life, right? That I would give up on my dreams in my life and move in with her and just be her caregiver. Nothing would give her more joy. And so my husband tried to cheer her up because he's a good person. He's a sweet person, and frankly, I don't think he's ever seen. Uh, the magnitude, the sheer magnitude of crazy that my mother was. <laughs> I don't think Tom, even to this day, like even after she died, and we went through all of her crazy stuff, all the the notes that she had scribbled, and all the the dossiers, the files she had kept on us that she had printed out because she was hearing voices telling her, you know, she would listen to your mom's house or whatever podcast and hear messages and and print and write them down and interviews my husband had given, she'd print them out and put them in a file and highlight things. And it was complete madness. And so she's in the bed and the and he's so sweet. He's such a sweet guy. He goes, well, you're going to feel better and we're going to go dancing pretty soon after this. Okay. So, you know, you get better we'll go dancing. And uh, wow, I don't think I've seen more rage in my mother's face than when my husband said that to her Because it was a denial of her her suffering, right? She was in suffering and he had the audacity to try to lift her spirits with the idea that we would go dancing later. And she goes, how dare you say something so stupid? I am going to kill myself. And then she threatened to kill herself in the hospital. I just want to die. I want to die. Please let me die. And I was like, yeah no, I know. I, I think I want that too. I don't know. <laughs> I did not say that to her. Uh, at the time, I was still freaked out. I still I was buying into a lot of the codependent uh, drama, right? The uh, the drama, that's the drama they create, the self-centered, selfish parent who, who uh, turns you into the parent and they become the child, right? So I left there and I, I remember just crying, just fucking being like, all right, something's got to give, man. Something's got to, I can't do this. I can't, can't do it, man. And I knew I had something good with that Tom kid. I knew that, I knew that Tom was a good guy and I knew I wanted to have some kind of future with a husband. And I just knew that this would poison everything, right? This, this madness. And it was, it was just insanity with her. And, you know, you got to protect your, uh, Good things in your life, otherwise, the fucking psychos will ruin it, man. You know, ugh, it's just terrible. So, that's why I got into therapy, guys. The rest is history. Everything's perfect now. <laughs> no, that's not the truth. Uh, but uh, it doesn't sound that it's perfect, but it's that you get the right tools to manage feelings and to manage your crazy uh, parents. You, you get the, uh, the skills, okay? You know what? In lieu of that, don't I go ahead and I'm going to read this email. It's kind of perfect. So let's do our theme song. I know why you're all fucked up? Oh. I don't even know what's happening. I I I can't even tell you what that is. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh, uh I think the name is Ilaria, I think. So what a beautiful name. Hmm. Okay. She writes long story, but I'm going to try to keep it short. I'm a 30 year old Italian. Oh, I love this. She's 30 year old Italian woman whose mom is a cunt. Hey now. Great. Who mom, Mom is a cunt. Yep. Narcissist, blah, blah, the works. I am or was very close to my dad, with whom she still has a terrible marriage. And since my dad has damaged himself and has used me as a sort of his therapist, talking about his feelings, failed marriage, etc., since I was 13, in addition to my mother hating me just because, she hates me because, and I quote, your father treats you like his spouse instead of me. I spent my whole life hating myself because of that woman and making horrible, horrible choices until I myself became a mother at age 28 and bam, the light was turned on. I went through horrible postpartum depression, worsened by the fact that my husband, my daughter and I had to move to Japan due to my husband's work when she was 10 months old. But all in all, that little girl saved my life. Living in Japan with no knowledge of the language, with my husband being gone six months out of the year, is rough. Oh, my goodness. Life is not great right now, but I am still determined to get my life. I'm getting my master's, got a part-time job, and I'm seeing a therapist whom I don't love, but he speaks English, so that'll do for now. I just need to manage my binge eating, and then I am golden. All right. Last summer, she writes, I visited my family in Italy. I decided to cut contact with my mother completely, and I am happy about... My decision, but I receive a lot of pressure from my dad who tries, to man, who tries manipulative tactics to get me to talk to her. Mostly guilt trips about keeping my daughter from her grandma. Finally, my question is, my dear, dear cousin is getting married back home in June and I would love to go, but my mother will be there for sure. What do I do? Do I go and ignore her and avoid my dad's attempts to get me to talk to her like a ninja or do I not go. Although I really want to. Thanks, Elaria. <laughs> Man, I feel like I could have written that email. Anyways, Elaria, uh, congratulations on your child. Congratulations on getting your life and therapy. Congratulations on realizing that your mom is all these things. And that, that did, uh, can, you know, make you feel horrible and blah and all that stuff. It's just a terrible revelation to have. And, uh, But it's good that you're, uh, you know, getting your life and moving on. So, I think the question you're asking is, do you not go to a cousin's wedding because you know she's going to be there, and that's going to really mess you up, right? That's going to the just probably just the sheer thought of seeing your mother gives you waves of anxiety that is inexplicable, right? (laughs) I'm just guessing. Uh, cause I would get that even to this day, walking through the mall and I see a woman that looks like my mother, I have a zing of panic in my stomach. And then I have a moment of relief wash over me when I realize she's dead. I go, Oh, okay, she's dead. It's fine. <laughs> so I get it. Uh, I get it. And it's funny cause I, I think to somebody listening who doesn't have this kind of horrible relationship with a parent, they're like, what, what do you mean? What's the big deal? Just go, well, you know because you're not always operating with an adult brain, you know. You're operating sometimes with a child's emotional mind and the emotional mind tells you that mommy is dangerous. Uh mommy will make me feel bad. Mommy can get me to be all kinds of crazy and this and that. Uh so it makes sense that you are freaking out like what what do I do? Now, I mean, here's the thing and I wanted to say this about cutting contact with parents because uh, I don't think I've said this before um, is that when you do go no contact with a family member, or whoever, uh, usually, you know, parents or whatever, it's not as though just not speaking to them solves everything. In fact, it, it lends itself to just a different set um, of internal struggles for you. Okay. Cause really let's, let's say you have a narcissistic parent, right? There's, there's two options really you have when you've got a parent, like your mother, you have two options. One is to, um, try to make it work with your mother. Um, if she's, if she's mentally enough there, now my mother was severely mentally ill and gone. So there was no, there, there was no reality that we shared. Now, if you share a reality with your parent, some semblance of it, I would say, and you can set boundaries with that parent. Um, that parent is able to come over and not be abusive or hurtful or can hold their shit together, let's say for an hour and you guys can have a fucking Coke and a smile uh, and have a sandwich and have civil conversation, then that's doable. Okay. But some, some parents and some people are not capable of even holding their shit together for an hour or two at a time. And that's when you go no contact, but So here's your options. You have that thing where you set boundaries. You say, Mom, uh, okay, I, you know, look, you're not going to be my... You you don't say this, but in your head, you know, we're not going to be BFFs. This is not going to be the mother I wanted. This is not going to be an ideal thing. But here's what Mom's capable of. She can come over. Like I said, we can do small talk. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about manicures, whatever the fuck. And then mom can go home after an hour, and, and it was fine, and I don't feel bruised and battered and horribly abused. Now, what really happens generally with these narcissists is they'll respect a boundary for, I don't know, a few months, <laughs> a few weeks, whatever it is, depending on the personality, um, and then they're going to boundary step, and then you have to reassert the boundary. Nope, I said I won't talk about dad, I won't talk about... My sister, I won't talk about XYZ. I told you that's off the table. And they're gonna get mad because you've asserted boundaries. And one thing the narciss- narcissistic parent hates is boundaries because why? You're an extension of them. You're an extension of them, and how dare you have any sort of pushback on their on you, on uh, them. Because you are them. They are you. They own you, right? You're not a separate person with your own needs, desires, hopes, fears, uh, Uh, whatever, you are, you don't really exist to the narcissistic parent. You are an extension of them. So there's that cycle of, I'm going to set a boundary. You're going to hold it for a minute or two, and then you're going to break the boundary. Same with alcoholics, (laughs) Uh, drug, drug abusers, all that shit. They're going to break it and you're going to be in a constant cycle of affirming boundaries, boundaries being broken, and then punishing them, whatever the fuck it is, and then back again. So there's that option, if that is an option, if you feel so inclined. And then there's the no contact route. Um, unfortunately, I've had to go no contact on both parents for different reasons, but when I did it with my mother, it was really because the mental illness had taken over and there was no there was no person, only an abusive shell. And she really was so abusive. It was like impossible. Um, but I knew she was cared for, right? So that was... I had done my moral duty as a, as a daughter. She wasn't eating cans of dog food. Uh, she had caregivers. She had some some stuff in place to, to make sure she was okay. So... But going going no contact isn't fraught with other anxieties, okay? So it's like the devil you don't know. Because going no contact isn't the same as having the shitty parent over and them saying the same shitty things, you know, they're going to say and do. It's kind of even a scarier chess game in a way. Cause you're like, well, what's that parent going to do when I don't talk to them? What will be the punishment, the repercussions, the payback, the retaliation for that? Okay. Cause sometimes, uh, we have retaliatory parents. My mother was very retaliatory. Um, So she might pop up at a show that I was having or, you know, I would get a surprise letter in the mail or, you know, she'd zing me. She'd find ways to get, to get so fucking horrifying. So I don't know what your mom is like, Ilaria, but uh, is she retaliatory? Is she, it sounds like she's manipulating uh, you through the dad. There's a lot of that and using guilt. Uh, to get you to come back into the fold. That's another thing they do because they, you know, it hurts their ego that you're not interested in them. (laughs) And also I'd like to throw in, by the way, what's the benefit of having a grandmother in your child's life who you couldn't tolerate as a mother? Um, And I know sometimes I've heard that horrible parents become great grandparents. I've heard that. I, I did not experience that in the case of my dad, but some people really, uh, you know, it just changes and they, they're like actually mad because they're like, what the fuck? You were kind of a turd to me all my life and now you're awesome to my kid. <laughs> so that creates a whole other ball of wax. But, but I ask you, is it really necessary for your mother to have a relationship with your daughter considering you can't even have one with your mother? And do you want, what, what's the value and your daughter knowing, um, a woman who frankly made you feel like a piece of crap and threw you into, um, you know, therapy. So I know there's this, this idea, this societal thing that like, oh, you got, you got to honor your family. You got to have the grandparents in your kid's life. No, you don't. I did not grow up with grandparents because most of them were dead already in the old country. I had one crazy grandmother Uh, who was abusive and horrible. And guess what? I didn't like having her around. And I told my dad as much. It was his mother. I said, I don't fucking, I don't like Nana. I don't like her. She would lock my cousin in the closet and shit. I was like, "Uh, I'd rather go without a grandparent, frankly, than have this animal in our house. And I told him, I don't want her fucking near me. I was seven years old and I knew that that woman was crazy. So Is it necessary? Is it really that big of a deal to have a fucking grandparent? I I don't think so, especially when they're horrible. And sometimes going no contact with your hateful, horrible parent is also a means to protect your child or your children from their poison. Because like I said, you might get lucky and the, the grandparent dotes on the grandchild, and that's rad, and if that's the case, then great, foster that. Come over Uh, Look at my kid, dote on my kid, and then get the hell out of my house when I say. And that's ideal. Great. Now everybody's happy. The kid gets a grandparent. I get to feel as though I have a parent, blah, blah, blah. blah. But if she can't handle her shit around your kid, think about that. You don't want that, man, because guess what? She's going to treat your kid the same way she treated you, and do you really want that for your daughter? So tell your dad uh, he can go fuck himself on this idea that, Yet your your daughter needs her grandma, especially if you don't even want to be near the woman. Why on earth would you subject your, your child to her? <laughs> so that's a silly idea that society <laughs> has told us that it's necessary. It's not, dude. Just because these people were sperm donors and egg donors for you and they were shitty parents, it does not give them the right to continue to be in your life. So there's that. So going no contact has other problems, okay? Are they going to pop up here and there? Are they the kind to retaliate? Are they the kind who are going to manipulate through other family members? you got to figure out what you're dealing with, what kind of devil you're dealing with. Uh, so, I, for instance, and, and then take measures to protect yourself. If you know your father is going to be the, the conduit to your mother's or whatever, the, um, the communicator between your mother and you, he's, he's manipulating you on her behalf, tell him, listen, Dad, when you call me, I like talking to you and I will gladly speak to you about any subjects other than a mom, b my daughter and meeting mom. C whatever it is, you put up the boundary and you go, Hey, I'd love to talk to you, but I'm not going to talk about, you know, your love life, your sex life, whatever horrible stuff it is. Cause he's using you as your, as the therapist. We said that in the email. Hey, yeah, let's talk, but I'm only going to talk about stuff that, is on the table, and the stuff that's not on the table, we're not talking about. So here's the problem. Going no contact. You're going to run into them at functions, family functions. You're going to run... It's, it's like uh, you're going to run into them because, <laughs> unfortunately, they're not dead yet. <laughs> that comes later, but... They're dead to you emotionally. Sorry, that's another part of going no contact. Just let me mention this briefly before I get to answering your actual question. Going no contact is like a form of death, okay? So what it means is they're dead to you emotionally. They're dead to you spiritually. They're dead to you a- as a part of your life. And then what happens is when they die physically, then that's kind of the final nail in that coffin, and then you deal with the the horrible, complicated grieving. That uh, comes from losing a shitty parent. Now, uh, so yeah, you you kind of have to grieve the loss of your mom, Ilaria. You're going to have to grieve the, the going no contact part is like you, you they're dead already and they're not capable of being a parent. So you never had it. You're grieving the shit that you never got, really. You're not grieving them. You're grieving the ideal of them, the death of the idea that you even had a mother to begin with. So there's that part. So it's complex, guys, if you go no contact. it's. Uh, but then again, keeping them in your life is another fucking bag of nuts. So lucky you. You've got crummy parents. I'm sorry. So, okay, you're going to go back in June. Don't miss your cousin's wedding because of your shitty mom. And by the way, stop giving her so much power. That's what these narcissistic pieces of shit love. They love it. Uh, If if they're controlling you and causing the drama, that's their whole game, right? Making it about them, making the drama happen. So don't let her, just don't think about it. Don't think twice about her. It's not about her. It's about you enjoying your cousin's wedding. That being said, can you bring your husband to kind of act as a buffer, as a protector? Do what you can to protect yourself. Do not stay in the same um, hotel as her. P.S., if you can help it, don't make situations where you're at the same table with her or whatever the heck it is. Talk to your cousin in advance and go, listen, you know, mom and I have our problems. I'm sorry to be this person. Can we sit at separate tables? Um, for you know what I'm saying? Put up protection for yourself. And don't bring your daughter for God's sakes. Don't put your kid into that. I, I wouldn't personally. I don't know what kind of child care arrangements you're gonna have to make. If you can't leave your daughter but somebody else, I would, I wouldn't put her through that drama. I don't know. That's just me. I don't know. That's a personal thing for you. But get in, wish her a happy marriage, have a few drinks, and try not to get into a confrontation with your mom. Don't let her make it about her because she's going to. And by the way, count on it. Count on that your mom will try to make it about her. Uh, That's what they love doing. These narcissists, they love making it about them. So she's probably going to do some kind, try to confront you or try to do some shit like that. So you know her better than anybody. So plan accordingly. What kind of shit is she likely to pull? Once you know that, you can kind of set some safety measures in place and escape hatch. Get in, get out. (laughs) But, uh, I don't know. I hope that helps. That's what I used to do. I know it gives you tremendous anxiety, but don't let her ruin all the good things in your life too. That's the bummer when they, when they ruin your good stuff. So don't let your mother take your good stuff. Okay. And I'm sorry, Ilaria. What a beautiful name you have. Ilaria. Ilaria. Anyways. Let's go into a different topic. I love this. I love this this these angst-ridden 20-something year old emails are my favorite. Not because I'm mocking you, but mostly because I remember exactly feeling this way. Oh, okay. This is from Aya. She writes, Hi mommy, I'm 21 years old and will be graduating university in April with a BA in screenwriting and video production and a minor in philosophy. Hey oh, it has come to my realization that I am a big baby and I'm having some major anxiety about what I'm going to do after I graduate. I feel way too young with not a big enough portfolio and not enough life experience to be taken seriously in the media world. I'm working unpaid internship after unpaid internship. On top of this, I'm also not even really sure I want to do this, what I'm, I want to do with my life. I only know what I enjoy doing, which I guess is a step in the right direction. I feel a strong draw towards traveling since I haven't gotten the chance to do much of that in my lifetime. I'll definitely need to save some more money for that. I guess I'm just worried that it's going to be super hard to get a real job in my field and make good money and feel somewhat fulfilled since I'm only a confused 21-year-old. What did you do after you graduated? Did you have any words of wisdom for a big anxious baby with a passion and a creative field. Who the heck is going to hire me? What are my next steps? Keeping it high and tight from Toronto. Oh, Toronto to dot Ontario, my province. Well, listen, listen, my little boo-boos, my Aya. First of all, don't they film a ton of shit in Toronto, which is great. Uh, okay. But here's the fact, here's the fact you're normal. Just so you know this, I wish someone had fucking told me this when I was 21 and freaking out too about this kind of stuff. You're normal. You're supposed to freak out at 21. You don't have all the answers. Um, and I think college does a really poor job of explaining how the real world kind of works in terms of how to get a job and well, they can't, they can't teach you everything, I guess. But, um, I think the mistaken belief is like, well, I'm supposed to major in something practical, right? Like a nursing degree or something. And then, and then I apply to be a nurse and I get the job right out of college. And then I go and I do that for the rest of my life. Isn't that how it works? I spent all this money Where's my, where's my stuff? Now that, that is true for some people, I think, but if you're doing the creative stuff, you're going to take a little bit of a winding path and that's okay. And that's okay. Now you're lucky you've got, you're Canadian. You got a Canadian passport. You can travel anywhere and people don't hate you like they do in America. (laughs) Um, You're 21, you're graduating. That's, that's fucking awesome. So congratulations on that. And congratulations on majoring in something you enjoy. I think that's so fucking great. I mean, so many people major in some stuff they hate just because they don't want to tell their parents that they enjoy doing something their parents don't approve of. And I think you're set up already to have a fantastic life because you've chosen something you like doing already. You're on the right path already. The path being doing stuff you love. So you're halfway there. So don't worry about it. If you were to write to me and be like, i pre-med and I fucking hate it and that's okay you can still change your mind but you're already on the right path so here's what you're gonna do you're gonna graduate you're 21 you're gonna save up some money you're gonna go work some shitty job because you got plenty of time all right you're gonna travel yeah now I'm not gonna recommend doing it for like I don't know I think I think a year is too long that kind of derails people um when i graduated from college i think i took a two-month trip and i bought myself uh what do they call those those euro rail passes i don't know if kids are still doing that and i went to hungary i went to germany brussels france where the fuck else all these fucking places dude go on a world trip dude absolutely if you can afford it go do it go fucking go see stuff because once you have a kid and you got the mortgage, life gets really different, and you want to be able to do that stuff early, and you've got a great decade here of fucking around now uh uh i I'll take that back. You have five years to fuck around five years <laughs> five years, but don't take all those five years fucking around uh if you can help it uh but take take maybe a year how about a year of fuckery okay here's a year okay, oh, yeah, right. take a year. Uh, go look at stuff, go figure out where you want to live, who you want to be, blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to come back. You want to be in showbiz. You want to be in the production side of showbiz. And that is not a straight line. Uh, a lot of times show business gigs, like the stuff you want to do, is based on who you know, or what your personality is like. Are you fun to be around? Are you easy to work with? Do you do good work? Do you have a great hard work ethic, by the way? all these things are big in our business. And if you can do all that, then you will be employed. Don't worry about that. Uh, of course, you're not going to get a job right out of college doing what you want to do. It's really unlikely, especially if it's in a creative field. But we are going to do, hold on, what do you want to do? Video production? Let me see. You just say in the media world, so I'm, I'm assuming you want to, I don't know, do you want to edit? What do you fucking, I don't know what you want to do. Let's say you want to be an editor, okay? So you're going to take, the you're going to start off as like a logger or whatever the fuck. You're going to be a, a, an overnight logger, and that's going to suck. But then you're going to move into daytime logger. They're going to see that you can do that, and then you're going to move into being an editor's assistant. You're going to digitize, or I don't even know what the fuck it is now. You're going to help the editor, and then you're going to finally be able to edit. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a process being in the working world. And to feel hopeless and scared and anxious is normal. Because you're thinking, well, what am I doing all these fucking internships for? Well, we're doing them so that when you want to become a PA or, or an assistant to somebody, you can walk into one of these production companies and they go, wow, you really want to do this. That's great. Look at all these unpaid internships. You're really in it to win it. And we like hard work ethics and show business because that's what we're all about. And you're going to get some low-paying, entry-level kid job like you're supposed to, like everyone does at 21. And you're going to eat shit for a couple years, three years, whatever, however long it takes. You're just going to eat shit. You're going to live cheaply. You're going to keep your overhead low. And eventually, you're going to work your way up to what you want to do. Now, you still got time to do all that. So in the meantime, go have fun. You got your degree. Take a year off. Go fuck around. And then get to the grind of it, man. 21 is very young. Super young. And don't mention the minor in philosophy. People are not impressed. (laughs) But you're going to be great. People are going to hire you. What are your next steps? You're going to ask people around that you might know who do the thing you want to do, right? Do you have any friends or family that work in production, the kind of production you want to do? Ask them. Hey, do you know anybody that's hiring? Do you know anybody that needs a logger or a PA or whatever it is? Or just point me to the production. Go look up production companies. That's what I would do. Call them up. You guys have any uh, openings for whatever blah, 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 assistant, blah, blah, blah? What is it, a PA? Great, I'll take it. Start as a fucking PA. And then you get to know people in the company. And then you tell people, hey, I'd love to be an editor's assistant. I'd love to do video production, whatever the heck it is. Segment producer. But you got to just get at your door, your foot in the company, get to know people. And once people like you, then they'll want to plug you into other positions. But the key is to be, like I said, likable, hardworking, reliable. Don't be a fucking idiot. Show up on time. Don't show up hungover. Follow directions. A big part of show business, too, in the production side is uh, can this person just fucking take a coffee order? And they have you to go to Starbucks and pick up 500 lattes for the whole staff. You better get it right. That's how they're testing you when you're 21, by the way, and you work in these, at least in our business. I don't know what it is in every other business. They're watching you on the little stuff. Do you have common fucking sense? Can you make photocopies or whatever? The whatever. I don't know. Do they people even make photocopies anymore? Um, back in my day, that's what it was. Just common sense. Can you follow directions? Can you can you work hard, and then you'll you'll work your way up soon enough. So try not to stress out. I know it's hard. It is hard. It's terrifying. It's so terrifying starting um, an adult life. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But uh, but no, you'll get used to it just like you got used to college, right? College was scary first and then you got used to that. And, uh, and then you're going to adapt. You're going to do great. So hang in there, Jean. Hang in there, Gene. You're going to be just fine. Okay. This is cute. I got this letter from a 20-year-old Dutch cultural anthropology student from the Netherlands. Oh, oh, an, uh, an, what do they call it? Dutch. I don't speak a word of Dutch. What is that? Okay, from the Netherlands. I've been listening since the first episode. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. She's saying, uh, thanking me for my Max Maxime. I'm a, I don't know what that gender that is. I don't want to gender identify you. Uh, okay, a few months ago, I broke up with my girlfriend. The podcast helped me through a time some advice for instance the fact that you have have to go through a breakup like a death with the five stages helped me a lot also one episode you said that hatred is always based on something bigger and since that moment I started to better my life by looking at the reasons behind hatred like I said a few months ago I broke up with my girlfriend of two years I know that I'm still young and there will be others but it is quite hard on me now after these months I am moving on and I am happy with how things are going both with my love life and my education. However, there is some jealousy sometimes when I hear about how she is doing, and sometimes it's hard to get her out of my mind. This is not a healthy thing to have. So my question is, do you have anything to say on the subject? Oh, okay, mommy. Oh, you're, you're jealous. Okay, so you get jealous when you hear um, about how she's doing, and sometimes it's hard to get her out of your mind. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. I think that's the toughest part about these first loves. Ma- I think it's Maxime. I hope I'm saying your name right, my love. The hard part about these early 20 loves is that they're so intense, right? They're so intense, especially the, the first few boyfriends and girlfriends are like, oh, they're just so life-changing. and And that's why they're so heartbreaking when you break up with them, right? They're your first everything. And like, it's totally normal, by the way, to be hung up on it and to feel like you keep thinking about her and this. It doesn't mean shit. First of all, do not, don't worry. If you're listening, you're like, yeah, I think about it all the time. It mean we should get back together. No, not really. Not necessarily. Um, sometimes we think about people in our past because they're horrible for us. They're actually really wrong for us. Because if they were right, you'd fucking be with them right now. Okay unless there's some kind of distance thing or whatever other circumstance. But generally speaking, if she was that great, if he was that great, you'd be with him now. End of (laughs) story. So, but why do I still think about that person? Why am I still fixated on that person? Well, there could be a lot of unresolved stuff there. Unresolved, your ego has been bruised stuff there, I'm saying. Uh, They could have really hurt you. And there's a lot of that lingering. Um, you could have hurt them and there's a lot of guilt and self-flagellation lingering. They could have reminded you of a parent, a mommy, a daddy, or whoever who really fucked you up. And so that's triggering you again and again and again. Um, uh, yeah, and there's sex involved and stuff too, so maybe you get jealous because you maybe are still attracted to them physically and this and that. And I'm assuming you mean you're jealous, uh, hearing that she might be with other people or or whatever it is. Um, I just, I think it is healthy, honestly, to feel some of that stuff, because if you don't, then it means you really kind of are indifferent. And especially at the age of 20, it's like, that's so normal. Now when you get older, I think it'll be a little easier, but it's young. You're young. And that's kind of a nice sign, right? Because it means that you really cared about this person. Should you act on these feelings of jealousy? No, no. Should I? Should I text her? Should we meet up? No. Stop. <laughs> no. No. But try to think about why it is you're jealous. Why? What? What is the jealousy? Now you don't get into specifics. What? What do you mean? What is it that you're jealous about? Um a lot of times we're upset that this person doesn't like us back or yeah, it's an ego bruising thing. I'm trying to think back to when I was 20 and I, you know, boyfriend, we broke up or whatever. And I'm trying the only thing I can think of when I was jealous of something is because I'm like, why did I lose out <laughs> to that other girl or whatever? It's like insecurity. It's more, I think it's more about insecurity on your 20 year old self uh, which again, you're only 20. So I'm not saying that to beat you up or anything like, Hey man, it's a fucking hard time. You're still a kid. Your brain isn't even formed yet. So cut yourself some slack and uh, do yourself a favor though. I don't, I, de- I don't know. You're not saying that you're doing this. Uh, don't look at her Instagram. Don't look at the Facebook. Really try and legit cut ties, you know, cause I think to mini- minimizing that helps if you're not seeing that person all the time on social media and keep in mind that stuff is not really a real representation of what's going on in a person's life. Uh, but yeah, you know, focus on what, who you have, who you're with and, and try not to look in her direction is what I would say. But I think over time it does get easier, uh, where you, you know, you'll start, you get less and less jealous as you get older and older. Uh, and you kind of realize like oh it's not about that's not about her it's about me it's something I'm something I'm insecure about something I'm dealing with here has nothing to do with her that's usually that's usually what's going on right jealousy is she doing something you wish you were doing is that what it is she is she happy in an area of your life you wish you were happy i don't know uh, wanting to possess a lover too. That's kind of normal at your age, especially at your age, wanting to own her, wanting to have her exclusive, even though it's t- t- stuff is terrible. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. It's just, it's just an immaturity thing, I think. Gosh. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you'll get over it. Just don't act on it, please. <laughs> okay. Don't act on any of this shit. Don't text her and do not do not email her. Just keep moving forward, bruh. And let it go. And I don't know the enough details, I'm sorry. But Yeah. It's it's fucking terrible. God, young 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 love is like the worst kind. God. Look at Romeo and Juliet. They killed themselves. It's stupid. They were fifteen. All right, bros. I gotta go. I gotta go take a nap. Very tired. I'm did Pilates this morning. Big day. Big day. Uh email me. That's Debro Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I hope you have a great week. You guys, thank you for listening to this episode. Come see me, do stand-up live. Uh Christina P online. Blah 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 blah. And uh yeah. All right, guys. Until next time. That's been Deepro. Oh oh. Oh, where's my <sighs> That is the motherfucker. All right, until next time, it's been Bro. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize, Philosophize with. with. Philosophize with.